Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 149 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists. Wait, podcat, what am I talking about today? Well, it's kind of a joke, because if you're following along on Instagram, you'd notice that the other day I changed the name of the Instagram page to the Clarinet Podcat by accident, and uh, it was pointed out to me, and I tried to change it back, but I had to leave it there for 14 days. So it was just something kind of funny, but a uh, little bit of an Easter egg if you're following along on Instagram. So if you're not following along on Instagram, please be sure to check out the show there, and also on Facebook and on YouTube. And before we get started today, this is Listener Appreciation Month. So if you want a chance to win a Bakun Protégé clarinet uh, in Coco Bolo with gold keys and six Leger reeds of your choice, head to clarinet.com slash enter. This prize is worth more than $3,600 U.S. It's a huge thank you to our listeners for making the show possible the last five years. And the giveaway itself was made possible by our amazing sponsors, Bakun Musical Services and Leger Reads. So stop this episode right now, head on over to clarinet.com slash enter, and make sure you're entered to win this absolutely amazing prize. In today's conversation, I am thrilled to be joined by two amazing listeners of the podcast. The first is Jaime Trevino, and we chat about what it was like returning to the clarinet after a 25-year break, and some of the incredible resources that he has found and used online to allow him to feel like he's learned more in the last year than he feels in all the years which he played clarinet before back in high school. So next up is Anthony Perkins, and I will tell you all about him uh, between the two episodes in a couple minutes. Thank you so much to our 77 Patreon backers for making the show possible. If you want to get access to ad-free and sometimes extended versions of the podcast, just like this one, you can check that out at clarinet.com slash subscribe. Also, of course, big thank you to our sponsors. You can take your playing to the next level with Bakun musical services with 14-day trials free shipping on eligible orders and expert advice you can be sure you're making the best choice for your musical needs for canadian customers don't forget to check out that their pricing is now available in canadian dollars and for everyone listening i have an exclusive coupon just for you you can save 10 percent on any purchase at bakunmusical.com with code clarinet at checkout that's 10 percent off with code clarinet at bakunmusical.com imagine a read that lets you focus on your music lasts for months instead of days and even saves you money in the long run. It's all possible with Leger Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand made right here in Canada. The European cut reed is preferred by Leger artists all over the world, including Eddie Daniels, David Schifrin, Carada Giuffredi, and many others. It offers a warm, clean sound with great ease of articulation and is now available for E-flat, B-flat, and bass clarinet. Learn more at your local music store or at Leger.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. And in case you're skipping the ads and just got to this point, first of all, shame on you. Don't do that. Support our sponsors. But second, be sure to go to clarinet.com slash enter to enter to win the Bakun protege clarinet from Bakun, of course, and the uh, six Leger reeds of your choice, a prize worth more than 3,600 US dollars. All right, and now on to today's episode. This is Jaime Trevino. I'm here on the podcast today with Jaime Trevino, coming to us from Houston in the United States. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me, Sean. So it's great to talk to you today. We've been following each other on Facebook for quite some time. Um, when did you first discover the clarinet podcast? Um, I guess I discovered it a couple, was it last year I was going through and just, you know, following you guys and seeing what was going on. I try to absorb as much as I can and I go online as much as I can hear and listen to as much as possible. And that's when I started noticing, I was like, oh, this, this is a gold mine here. <laughs> it really is a gold mine. <laughs> What's been your favorite conversation? Well, I really liked the, the obviously 
with Stan, with Stanley. Anytime you you, t- you talk to Stanley Drucker, you're gonna get a, a gold mine of wealth of, of things you know that, that's gonna come from there. Um, I thought the the interview with Laura was great because I've been following her for for quite a while also. So one of my favorite Aussies, I always tell her. So yeah, she, <laughs> she does. <laughs> so you seem to be a huge fan of Disney and Disneyland, Disney World. So can you tell me a bit about your passion for for this outside of the clarinet? Absolutely. Um, uh, well, it, it, it started young. We did a um, we, we went a couple of times when we were in high school. Did the whole midnight Cinderella parade and, and things like that. Um, uh, and so that was when I first you know got I really liked it. And my partner also was a really huge fan. Um, and we we had to live in two different cities because of the jobs. We're both in healthcare, and um, so he up and working in two different hospitals. And when we get to see maybe every six times a year or so, we'll take huge trips. And so we that's our go-to place so we can get to California um, and and get away, get out of Texas, get out of Oklahoma, and and just have a good time. And that just happens to be we have um, season tickets, so we're always always there, kind of a thing. It's our home away from home. <laughs> oh, wow, that's super cool. Did you know that I've, I performed at Disneyland um, when nice. I was in marching band? We flew down and did a tour down there, and it was the summer that California Adventure had opened. I think oh, it was wow. like 2000 yeah. or 2001 or something. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, just, I remember it was all super. I'd never been uh, to that one because that was a new park, although I had been to Disneyland as a kid, but uh, it was something else to play there. Yeah, D- Disney World is where we played when I was in high school. Um, and we got to do a lot of behind the scenes, got to go to the underground dressing rooms and areas and stuff like that so they can shuttle us around. We had a huge, uh, 450 of us that were in there. So, yeah, there was quite a few moving us around. It was difficult to move us. So half of us were in the trams and then the other half were through the tunnels so, <laughs> to get us where we needed to go. Like coming back to playing, um, I took an almost 25 year break. Oh, wow. Um, and I figured, no problem. I was really good back in the day. We'll just jump right into these Cavallinis and <laughs> to these roses. No, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> and so it was nice um, working back in. You know, I've been playing now for about a year now, getting back into the things. And um, it's it's um, become very cathartic. It helped me a lot. Um, the only reason I picked up and started playing again, I, I had a really bad cancer scare last oh, no. year. I was, I, was, I was by myself and I needed an outlet. And um, it my horn was sitting around. I had bought... Um, a fat boy, you know, from between just to like mess around with stuff and try to get back into playing again. And it kind of lit that light again for me to start playing more and picking up some more things. So I, I always have a soft spot for Bakun in my heart and <laughs> because of it. Um, and it really helped me through some really, really rough times, you know, and I had to sell my golden era R13 just to help pay for the oncologist and everything. Um, and so now I have a couple i have three really great instruments now so it's like it, it was a good trade-off I, I guess in the end um when it all came down to it and it, it helped me rise above there's a whole little group of us that are playing now we call ourselves the the comeback kids those of us are kind of over 40 and wasn't quite our career but we went back to it because we loved it so much and and um it's just picked up where we started and, and it's it's a, great, it's a great group of guys to be hanging around with guys and gals to be hanging around with it's nice to the clarinet community has been really good to me really good to me well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I hope that you're doing better. Um, and also, you know, have you had a chance to play locally with a new group that you found that can accommodate returning players like that? Because in my city, we have a group called West Winds, and there's there's dozens of adult players, some of whom have never actually played before, but many have, who are coming back to the clarinet or, or their instrument. Um, and they right. have like a, a local band. Have you found a group you can play with? or I haven't found anything yet. When do you feel like you'd be ready, though? What would be that sign to you? 
Um, I feel like I'm ready now. Um, I, I'm able to get through these pieces. You know, I, I've been studying a little bit with the Etude of the Week group. So we, we've been working with the, the Rose books and the Cavalinis, just dusting off, you know, a lot of old stuff, um, going back to my basics, long tones and, and scales. And, you know, the Robert Spring has popped back up again, the warm-ups, you know, yeah. just getting everything settled. And I changed a lot of things of, of because 20 years ago was 20 years ago. I was playing, you know, in a 5V12 on a Lomax that was like a 0.08. You know, really just closed mouthpiece. And now my setup is a lot more open. I use a much lighter read, you know, um, kind of a thing. And so, and I've also, I'm tending towards now, I'm going double lip almost 100% of the time now, which has oh, wow. been a huge, huge just shift on, on concept of everything, you know, and there's been so much support with everyone around, you know, Tom Plosky is always helping out a lot. Lucia is um, from Australia. She's, she's a great friend of mine. She's always helping, you know, my teacher as well. Um, and so I've, I've gotten a lot of great pointers, you know, just, and sometimes, you know, um, you, I don't like to ask cause I don't want to be like, I'm begging for lessons or you know, kind of that kind of a thing, but I don't have to, people just offer up, you know, help, you know, this is what this is. And if you, there's, there's different concepts you can look at both different things and it's, it really has helped a lot. So what's that community called? It sounds like something that many listeners might want to join. Is it on Facebook? Um, yes, there's two of them. There's the Etude of the Week Amateur Edition for those of us that still are a little rusty trying to get back into things and they're doing out of work out of a hype book, out of a Lester book, um, kind of early like middle school, early on high school kind of stuff, just a little bit just to get your fundamentals back into play again. You get your scales back under your fingers and um, voicing and, and things like that to hear again. And just um, endurance, getting your endurance up and going. The second one is just the Etude of the Week uh, clarinet edition. And that's for, you know, I believe some kids from the University of North Texas started it. And, and they kind of kept with it and it just kind of grew from there. And then there's a lot of people um, from around the world that are that are in it. And it just, it's a great community to go back to because, you know, we're struggling in some parts. You know, there's, well, there's others that simpler to play but we'll get you the same fundamentals to keep you going and they're very very supportive you know people get out of hand we'll back each other up right away saying hey look don't don't get too crazy you know <laughs> this is not the professional group <laughs> but we're, we're still trying you know we're still trying to do our best so does everyone take a turn posting or do people all post it once once a week or how does it work uh, what they do is they, they'll take an etude a week it's kind of not realistic but you can try to do a, an etude a week um, and have it mean something, you know, where you're actually learning something. Um, and so we've been trying to like do one a week post and, and then we'll comment on each other. They, they ask if you want to comment, if not, you know, just just to share kind of a thing. Um, we have been pretty on a schedule that the administrators are really good about it. Um, and but with this whole uh, quarantine going on right now, they've completely um, kind of let it open up so that you can free for all to try to catch up. And or if you want something else to, to play, you do that as well um there's excerpts of the week that they've been doing there's a lot of little ones that they broke up into but those are the two main ones that have really helped you know kind of put my chop back up to where they needed to be you know there i go back and i listen to some of those early recordings i'm like it's, you know, <laughs> it's like whoa but i'm learning from it it's, and it's a different medium that i didn't have to begin with you know we didn't have webcams and 
I couldn't record video of me when I was in college. You know, I barely had a cell phone back in mom. <laughs> yeah. And you know, <laughs> and you know, I totally was thinking just now about the past again. We were talking about the past and I wonder if in the past, like even as recently as the 80s and 90s, if as many adult players were able to come back because there wasn't the internet back then. There was no etude of the week. There was no right now we're during a pandemic. We're almost communicating more with some people than we would have otherwise. So I wonder what it was like 30, 40 years ago. The eight years that I spent playing, you know, I started late and, and then through high school and only a couple of years of college. I've learned more this past year out of the professional setting because of what was available online, because of people like you, because of people, the teachers that are on there and that are helping out. The pros that sit in those groups, that's gold. I mean, when they give advice, it's, I mean, and it's free. Basically, it's, it's free advice and it is good advice. And, you know, mm -hmm. um, they, they will sit there and argue their points and then you can choose which side you like. And that's, that's an option that you don't have in college. So before we close, it's been a great conversation. I thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and for listening to the show and uh, just being a part of the Clarinet community online. Um, but I want to ask, because it sounds like you are familiar with even more than me out there as far as this goes, but what other online resources, um, YouTube channels, things like that have you been enjoying for the clarinet that you may want to share with the audience? Well, there, there, there are like maybe 15 different clarinet groups that are on Facebook alone, kind of a thing. You just get that, that come up and, and pop up. The international ones are good. I like to listen to the different, um, you know, different sides. You know, you have your, your Kletzmer, you have your Russian music, you have your, your Jewish music, you have the Asian music, that, that all the different that gives you international access right there for free. Yeah. So, um, many of them. Uh, but I, I just stick really to Facebook and, and Instagram. I'm not really that far outreached anymore. I'm not that young. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Was there something you wanted to ask me or anything else you wanted to share with the audience before we wrap up? Just thanks a lot. And thanks a lot for the support, Sean. It's been great finally actually meet and talk with you. Absolutely. So hopefully one day in, in reality. I mean, I was hoping to go to Clarinet Fest this summer, right? but that's kind of been, yeah. been canceled. So yeah, we'll make it happen yeah. one day for sure. Next up on the podcast today is Anthony Perkins, who is a freshman in university at ASU. We discuss his passion for marching band and why he feels strongly that being a high school band director is his destiny. Based on his past experiences, he really wants to share that experience with other people going forward. And it's a really admirable thing to see in someone his age, very early on in his career, who already knows exactly what he wants to do. So I really admire that. And we had a really great conversation. I'm here today with Anthony Perkins, who's coming to us from Tempe, Arizona. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. So today, I wanted to talk to you a bit about your start as far as auditioning for universities and some of your sort of life experiences and sort of your process leading up to where you are now at the University of Arizona. As you said, I'm, I'm a student at the University of Arizona now. I'm, I'm a music education major, and I also take performance level lessons with Dr. Glazier. So when it came to deciding on a major, um, are you the kind of person who you've known ever since you were young you wanted to go into music, or was it something you decided at kind of the end of grade 12 as a last-minute decision, or what was it like for you? There isn't really like a moment like a lot of people have. I think it was just I went to a really good elementary school where, where in fifth grade you had to pick an instrument or you had to be in choir, so I, I picked clarinet, and then I decided I'm pretty good at this, so I should, I should keep going, and then... That led me to go to the middle school I went to, and then that led me to go to the high school that I went to. And then I just kind of realized after my experience in college that, well, 
I've, I've kind of poured so much time into this. I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I feel like music education gives me more options. And now looking back at that, I think it was just the best decision because now the more and more I look back at my experience in high school, I feel like I almost have to be that sort of high school band director and give that experience of high school marching band to more students because I think that that experience completely changed my life. And I think that that's something that I have to give to the world because I'm super passionate about it. Well, so interesting how many people are really influenced by marching band. And one thing that bothers me actually is how negatively a lot of people view marching band. They think it leads to like bad technique or all this stuff or something. And I'm sure that that's possible. But in another way, it really leads to people becoming really passionate about music. Like some of the best musical experiences I ever had were in marching band. And I was able to go on tours to like Japan and uh, we went to Chicago and um, California Disney and all these other places. Um, I guess the only difference for me is that I actually played snare drum in marching band for the years that I was in it. So it was a bit of a different experience. But what was it, do you think, about marching band that really stood out for you as something that was worth pursuing or musically meaningful? Or What was so interesting about marching band was, I've just sort of noticed this with um, the philosophies that the directors preach and everything, is it was something completely new that you could sort of devote a lot of time and energy and go from completely 0% to 100% in a a sort of idea of a performance throughout a season or throughout a career. And in marching band is when you go in, you have no idea how to march. You have no idea how to march and play. This entire thing seems really crazy to you and you have no idea how people do it. All you know is, is that you want to do it. So when you get in and you and you learn everything and then you're able, especially in the later years when you get to take a leadership position and you get to give that experience to other people and to show them through these experiences. And I think that's re- really, I didn't notice it at the time, but when I really sort of fell in love with that, um, that sort of idea of teaching is that I get to give these people this amazing experience. Um, my entire year, Years at the Crown Russell Marching Band, I was spending my time like, this thing is so cool. Why, um, why does no one understand how cool this thing is? And now I get to show people how cool this is because they get to experience it with me. So were you the kind of person who loved the marching band stuff right away or did it take you a while to settle in? Because like, even for me, I can remember in my first year in marching band, I absolutely hated it. I hated it so much that at the beginning of the eight hour band camp workshops, I would set a timer and literally count down the seconds till the day was over. I just, it was brutal. But my mom, I, I said I wanted to quit, but she was like, there's no way because we already paid for the tour. Like, you're going at least on tour. So she made me stick it out. And, and But after that, at the end of the August month where, you know, everything was over, she said, okay, well, you didn't like the band. Um, what do you want to do now? And I was like, no, no, I want to go back, please, please. <laughs> and she was like, there's no way, not after the way you acted this year and hated it so much. But, you know, once you make the friends and learn the experience and it's not so intimidating, it's a whole different ball game, right? So I then stuck in it, I think, for six years after that. So what was it like for you? I always hear that experience. I, I always I always hear that. That's always the story whenever we get someone like Bill Humber or previous band directors. That's always the story they tell is like the first few times you do it, you're going to f- feel terrible and it's really going to suck for you. But once you get in and once you perform, once you have those first few performances and once you make those friends, you're never going to imagine life without it. I think my experience was different. I think the moment from in middle school when they showed us um, Spartacus, the Phantom Regiment show which of course is drum corps, but um, that was sort of our, um, part of our introduction. And then they also showed um, Way of the Warrior, which was like the the hallmark show of the high school that I ended up going to, Corona del Sol. Once they showed those, and I was like, yeah, I know that, that looks like the next logical step to take this. And I just sort of said, 
I went to band camp and I like to this day, I don't know how I was so enthusiastic about this because I didn't know anyone when I went to high school. Like I, I mean, I moved districts like I it wasn't that far away, but it was far enough that I knew no one. It's kind of crazy to me that like I was able to make friends completely out of nothing. Like my roommate now, uh, who's who's a trumpet player. I met him at band camp and I just walked up to him. He always talks about it as being really funny and awkward. I just walked up to him and started talking to him. And now he's, he's like my brother now. He's my best friend and he's my roommate in college. And it was literally just out of some sort of bravery of, hey, this guy looks like, I always joke, he's like, hey, this guy looks like he could use a friend, but, <laughs> but that's all in good fun. But I mean, it was really life-changing because we both, um, it's a very deep connection that we have. So I think, Creating those connections and those performance opportunities is really just what makes marching band so important. And then to just transition in back into the t- conversation about the University of Arizona is, I think the University of Arizona is extremely unique because instead of having that super like collegiate style where you get like the sort of Ohio State um, high stepping um, sort of stuff, and which is very different from how high school does things now and is almost seems like a downgrade in a way, or at least just a completely different direction with the idea and very old school. They sort of take like, okay, let's do sort of a high school style show, but let's do pop music and let's do trumpet screamers and let's do all this really, really cool stuff. That's why what's made that experience so cool for me. And I didn't even think about that when I made that, when I made the decision to go to university of Arizona. So let's look ahead to the future, um, you know, 10, 15 years. I know for you, that seems like a long way away, but it's so funny because it seems like just yesterday, like I have this vivid memory of just yesterday, finishing my first day of classes of university and uh, going out and sitting on a bench and listening to some music. And that today was like 16 years ago, which I, which I find crazy. But um, where do you see your life trajectory as far as a career path and what you'd ideally be doing, uh, you know, say 10, 15 years from now? this whole quarantine thing has gotten me time to look back at my experience in high school. And it's, and the more and more I look at it, the more and more I realize that I have to be a high school band director. There's no other way I have to give that experience to other people and that passion that I felt and that first sense of belonging and, and all this that I experienced there, I feel like I have to give that to other people. And and my passion for it is kind of like, I don't believe in any sort of like divine um destiny or or whatever but i feel like that's i have a duty um to the world to give that back and i think as much as it sounds crazy to me as much as it sounds like what the heck are you signing up for i really do want to be a a marching band director and whether whether that's a head marching band director position or an associate position that sort of works on woodwinds because i've to this day, still not met a, a head march, high school marching band director that wasn't a trombone or, or a trumpet player. So, so it, whatever that, that turns into. But I think, yeah, in 15 years, who knows what I do with um, graduate school or anything like that. I would love to be a tech at, at the Pride of Arizona, but I think high school marching band is definitely my path. Well, you know what? I, I love your dedication, your, your direction already, even at, um, you said you're a freshman, right? Yeah, I'm a freshman in in, uh, in college, so I'm 18. Yeah, it's crazy. So the, the freshmen these days are much more mature than when I was there. I remember that, you know, all I was looking forward to was that next Friday to get out to the bar with my friends. <laughs> so pretty good to uh, have those kind of goals set so soon on in your career. What advice would you have then for other kind of high school students who are looking to enter university or find their path with sort of as much gumption, if that's the word that you have? 
you should really go into a path that you feel motivated in and just sort of whatever you feel the happiest in your life doing, try to find a, a profession that goes into that. So I think what's important is getting a private lesson teacher that, that really sees you and really sees your potential and can guide you in that way. Because if I didn't have um, Dr. Jeff Cuomo teaching me in high school, I, I wouldn't have made Allstate. I wouldn't have even auditioned for any of the other universities. I don't even know where I would be without, without them. And you kind of need to find someone to do that, whether it's a private lesson teacher or a band director, to sort of lead you in that direction. And really, kind of, when you, when you go to the schools, don't just judge them at face value. Don't um, let the financial issues, because if you're good enough and if you practice enough, scholarships will take care of that. Just go to the school that you want to go to. And that was hard for me because I wanted to go to U of A and ASU was three miles away. So I wouldn't have had to pay dorm costs. It would have been really, really convenient, but that wasn't the school for me. And I think making that decision not only completely changed my life, but I think that's something that people need to consider is that it's not just about what's convenient for you or what, what's the fi financially best decision. Of course, go to a school you can afford, but go to the school you want to. Yeah, there's actually a podcast episode, College Prep for Musicians. And uh, they said the same thing, like make sure that you apply where you want to go and see your career going the farthest because oftentimes the tuition will be there to match covered by a scholarship or some kind of donor. So don't let that get in the way. And, and man, I wish I had that advice when I was younger because I wanted to do my master's at Manhattan School but I looked at the price as an international student and I was like, wow, 80 grand a year. That's insane. But then I had some friends who went there and most of their tuition was covered. So if I had known that, I would have definitely changed the course of what I felt comfortable pursuing. But um, hey, well, this has been really great talking. I wanted to ask if you had anything else to share with the Clarinet audience before we wrap up. To anyone listening, anyone considering any schools uh, out in the West, seriously, give um the University of Arizona look. I think it really has changed my life and I've I, it was the best decision in my life to go there. Of course, I'm only 18, but that's still a lot. And I think uh, looking into some some of their marching band shows, the most recent No Doubt show and some some pep band stuff, we really need to get more pep band stuff out there because it's you do like tank and some really cool stuff. But yeah, no, seriously, uh, give us a look. I would really love to have you here. I'm sure Dr. Glazier would love to have more students and um, the marching band is always looking to grow. So seriously, I'm looking into that. Any younger students in the Tempe, Arizona area, I don't know how many there are, but Corona Dulce High School um, also changed my life. So give David Duplessis a call there and he'll, um, um, they'll set you up for that. And I think that would be a fantastic place for any, any musician to grow at that age. So yeah, I, I think that's it. Well, thanks so much for for coming on the show and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Of course, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you find that you're enjoying the show and want access to extended ad-free versions, you can do this for as little as $1 per month or $10 per entire year at clarinet.com slash subscribe. I just want to thank those of you who are supporting the show at more than $10 per month. We have uh, Robert W., April J, Jason S, Glenn K, David S, Andrew M, William L, Miguel D, Debbie A, Patty S, Josh N, 
and Karen D. Thank you so much to all of you for making the show possible every single month. And of course, the rest of the sponsors as well. And of course, to our, our season sponsors, Legere Reads and Bakun Musical Services. You can enter to win an amazing prize this month for Listener Appreciation Month, which is a Bakun Protégé clarinet in Cocobola with gold keys and six Legere Reads of your choice to go with it. So thank you so much to that huge prize. But if you want to enter to win, go to clarinet.com enter. And I think that's an amazing, amazing giveaway for an amazing, amazing audience. So you can check out Bakun and save 10% on your next purchase of any kind, whether it's a mouthpiece all the way up to a custom clarinet by using code clarinet at checkout at bakunmusical.com. That's code clarinet at checkout at bakunmusical.com. Also, imagine a read that lets you focus on your music, lasts for months instead of days, and even saves you money in the long run. You can check out Legere Reads at your local music store at legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, signing off from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I look forward to seeing you next time for some more amazing conversations with wonderful listeners here on the Clarinet Podcast, the show for clarinetists.